Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So, let us begin. Congratulations. We've got a construction boom going on in the city. The Belters are mining the asteroid fields at the edge of the system. There's a lot of money to be made on Navarro. I can see. I can set you up with a prime tract right over by the hot springs. You and the little one, you can settle down, you can hang up your blaster, live off the fat of the land. Grogu. Come again? His name is Grogu. If you say so. Come, I want to show you something. This week, the story is about crawling across the floor to destroy Sarah Connor? No, Grogu. I don't know. Hey, Mando's finally back. Season three premiered uh, with its new episode, The Apostate. Is that what it's called? Yes. Chapter 17. Recorder 66 is back to finally discuss some fresh Star Wars. Um, And it's coming at such an interesting time because while Pedro Pascal has been like the star of our hearts for this is now its third year, he has never been more famous. And in fact, his two prestige television shows are overlapping. Um, and I'm a this great. This is quite the moment for him. It's yeah, he's a serious. Uh, yeah, he's such a star. Um, and uh, and I'm 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 really loving The Last of Us. Uh, it's going to be hard for me in the coming weeks not to talk about it a lot, and not just because of Pedro, because of the thematic overlap between the two shows. And one is you know, winky and flashy and for all ages and, you know, under the Star Wars umbrella. And the other one doesn't tick all those boxes, but still, um, Pedro Pascal has uh, a mode these days. Is that okay? Is he being typecast? I don't think so. I think he's definitely um, being looked to and sought after for the obvious because Hollywood generally... (laughs) isn't super creative when an actor blows up a lot of the time they get the obvious parts um but as soon as the hype dies down i'm sure there will be some more nuanced choices like he had his superhero movie role now he's getting like so like but i think he'll get to the point where maybe he'll be able to choose some award-winning performance and he's maybe already amidst one right now with the last of us even though it's still kind of fitting of that similar sort of fatherly arc um but he's not necessarily, even though he's played this kind of weird lone cub style um, situation with a lone wolf and and the cub, uh, he's not necessarily played a family man, even though he's a family man. And so there's still even a lot of interpretations you can take uh, from his characters. Uh, he's very stoic and solo parent with a solo um child that's not really his but is now kind of his on a large adventure of epic proportions uh and it's also got kind of like a video game task of the week style yes that's not going to happen again like no. that's a pretty consistent parallel the phrase i've been using to describe uh both pedro arcs is lone wolf finds a cub he plays this kind of like cranky lovable uh hero who has a kid who at first kind of aggravates him and is really just for the job, but ultimately he can't help but fall in love. And so that applies to both shows. Otherwise, they're not that similar. Um, And of course, the biggest, most obvious difference is that in The Mandalorian, he doesn't look most of the time like Pedro Pascal. He's in the suit. Um, and in this episode, he is sometimes he's well, yeah, except for that in this episode, he he doesn't remove the mask. I think it would be safe to wonder if this season we see his face more often. But I thought it was interesting that this whole uh, premiere episode is built around 
him wanting to revert. I kind of wondered if maybe like the watch was not really his style anymore, but no, his entire motivation in this first episode is going back to the way, so to speak, uh, recommitting himself to his original um, mandate of never taking off the mask again. Is that surprising to you? It's not surprising to me that based off of what we saw in Book of Boba Fett, that he's clearly eager to get in the good graces of the children of the watch again. But it is a little weird that he's flexing on some things, but not on others. Like, yes, they have this harsh rule about not ruining your helmet. And so in order to be accepted by them, he needs to atone uh, for his apostate status. But there's also the side of it where Bo-Katan is of a totally different Mandalorian um, mindset and approach and um, cultural background. And he still wants to work with her to mm. reclaim Mandalore on behalf of all of Mandalore. So he kind of wants to have his cake and eat it too in a really nice way because he just wants to be accepted by all of the Mandalorians. Yeah. And he just doesn't know how. And in doing so, he's also bringing a new Mandalorian into the world. And so it, it it's nice to see him being open and willing and trying to be flexible after clearly being so hard-headed before, but he's still not able to get past his desperate need for belonging in this Mandalorian community. And so it'll be interesting to see how that uh, translates over the season, uh, in particular with his relationship with Bo and also uh, the Armorer. We do, in fact, open the season on the Armorer and the Children of the Watch. She is... uh, uh, making a new mask. Uh, she's, you know, molding and dipping a brand new Mandalorian mask and it has a really striking light blue tone. You're thinking at first, like, I don't know, are they like preparing a helmet for Grogu? Like it looks kind of youthful. And sure enough, she takes it outside and there is uh, a ceremony underway, which is sort of um, a baptism where they take a youthful uh children child of the watch and they sort of show his his face the sun for the last time and everybody um is there to witness him uh pledge his allegiance to the children of the watch am i silly to have thought at first this was a flashback and that was din you are not silly uh because a lot of other people thought that as well um he's i didn't think that because he's way 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 too pale um, and in fact, uh, he's Jimmy Kimmel's son. No, ne- nephew. Nephew. Okay. I'm yeah. looking on it here. Cause I was like, he looks so much like him and I saw his last name was Kimmel. And so I was just looking it up right now here and I just quickly saw in the notes, Jimmy Kimmel. And so I was like, oh shit, is he a son? He's, <laughs> he nephew, plays, okay. he plays Reese Witherspoon's son in this, uh, corny rom-com she's got on Netflix right now. And so he was a guest on Jimmy to promote that. And he's actually like a really like nice young guy. And nice. Fav- Favreau was on Kimmel last night and they talked about it. Very, very cool. Uh, yeah, he was uh, too pale in the sense that we also saw a young Din um, in kind of some flashbacks in like episode maybe one, maybe sure. even the pilot, or at least the first couple episodes of the series. Uh, and he was in particular, I think, quite dark skinned in those episodes. Uh, so I, I knew it wasn't him in that regard, but it was hard to kind of pinpoint the timeline, what was really going on, where Din was. I I, I was confused for sure. So they're going through the 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 traditional rites, 
And just as they're about to kind of seal him, uh, he's about to take the final oath, uh, the armorer yanks him out of the water because she senses the rushing charge of, I don't know if we have a name for this creature, but it's essentially a mammoth crocodile uh, coming up uh, to... It's, the subtitles called it a dinosaur turtle. And so <laughs> okay. I'm going to look up to see if it actually has a Star Wars name yet. Although it doesn't, I, I checked a few things for this episode that didn't seem to be named. Uh, currently, it is called a dinosaur turtle, according to Wikipedia. Okay. I think it's more of a crocodile. It's this vicious prehistoric uh, croc that comes in and indeed devours a couple of Mandalorians. And it, it's, they're trying to hold it off, but they're not doing great. And then we hear, ooh, ooh, and sure enough, uh, our Mando flies in and saves the day. Honestly, takes down the dinosaur turtle pretty effortlessly. And then he gets to have yeah. his conference with the armor. It was kind of weird how these warrior Mandalorians were having their asses completely handed to them by the dinosaur turtle. I understand it. Uh, it's got the shell. It's hard to beat. But Din and Cobb Vanth took down a crate dragon. Yeah. <laughs> so how come 35 Mandalorians can't take on the dinosaur turtle? That thing must be hard as fucking hell to kill. Also, now, it makes sense that a starship can take it out, uh, but I was still surprised they weren't making any damage. Why do they hold these ceremonies on the beach of such a precarious ocean? Like knowing that there are creatures here that in fact are predatory and will beach themselves. Does it have to happen here? Can't we baptize them somewhere else? This is the way. Is that's the way. the way that they are. Yeah, they're because dumb. That's probably what always happened right. for some particular sect. Uh, I don't know what world they were on, but I'm sure it was a Mandalorian world as well. And the Mandalorian worlds were known for having large, dangerous creatures like this. And so that's also probably to a degree a rite of passage. Yeah. To them. So Mando's conversation with the armorer is kind of a repeated conversation. We've we've mm. had it before um, where he's like, but I want to atone for my sins. And she's like, you can only do that by bathing in the, the waters of the mines of Mandalore. But you can't do that because they don't exist anymore. And he's like, well, I've got this little piece of glass that was given to me by Jawas and it indicates otherwise. And she's like, no, it actually proves my point. That area is destroyed. And so uh, he leaves really informatively no richer than he arrived. Yeah, it was one thing that was it was overall a really interesting scene because it connects with some things that have been said off screen. And of course, it connects with all the things that occurred in Book of Boba Fett. It's it's one of the snippets that summarize the Book of Boba Fett occurrences, uh, some of the exposition with him and uh, Grief Karga do some tiny things like that. And when I say that, I mean, there's just two tiny slivers in the episode that do any referencing to piecing together how the two reunited yeah and leaving out the elephant in, in the, the room or leaving out the elephant in the room which is grogu and mando are back together yeah it's it's completely overlooked it's just barely barely touched on and it's not even in the recap which mm. is so stupid yeah because like in this a bunch of people have brought, brought this up you gave us basically a summary of the prequels before obi-wan why couldn't you give us a summary of two and a half episodes of Book of Boba Fett in friggin' the start of The Mandalorian. You right. went back to season one to remind us of IG-11, which I don't think we forgot about because we watched this show. Yeah. Uh, but they needed, it was, in my opinion, a mistake there. Um, but I, what I did find funny was something that Star Wars doesn't necessarily do a lot of or uh, certainly was got was highlighted when Maz Kanata said, well, that's a, a good story for another time. Uh, I liked how Din kind of went to Bo was like, 
Yeah, but this also proves my point too, yeah. because someone was able to get it. Mm. How do I have it now? Which is something that so many fantasy stories never get to as to like, yeah, but where did that start? Who gave it to you? Yeah. You just have like the plot giver and like the, the what's the, the, the quest giver who provides the artifact. And it's like, yeah, but how'd you get it? Uh, <laughs> oh, that's a story for another time. Let's, right. let's get past that. And so I, I like that they kind of said like a good backstory with the Jawas. Uh, but another thing this links to is okay, this is an adventure. And clearly other things have happened. Oh my God, Navarro has really developed a ton since we last saw it. And it developed a lot between seasons one and two. And so John Favreau mentioned um, in an interview that it's been two years since Din and Grogu were together. And everybody took that out of context and immediately ran with it to say, two years is how long we have between Book of Boba Fett and uh, Mandalorian. Ah. And no, he meant two years for us as people on Earth. Right. Um, since we saw them. Yeah. Uh, and so he then clarified it and said, it's between like zero and two years. Ah, it's between like one and two years. He just complicated it. And so he said it wasn't two years. He said it was between zero and two years and then said it wasn't zero years. So my guess is it's about a year. About a year. Sure. <laughs> That and works. so it's about a year that takes place there and seeing as, as time developed between seasons one and two, that's kind of what they're doing. I guess it's about a year between timelines, like between seasons. So that Din's able to go on these other journeys. And so Grogu has learned a lot with Luke. He probably spent quite a bit of time with him and Din definitely had some separation anxiety, but they just are really not doing a good job of spelling that out for people who aren't really looking closely. It for was it. strange. Yeah. Well, and, and never mind those who might not have watched Book of Boba Fett, like a little refresher for me who did watch it wouldn't, yeah. hurt, wouldn't hurt things. I would have been happy to see it and it would have yeah. helped tie everything together. So now uh, they decide to fly to Navarro Din gets to deliver a very classic Star Warsy line. We're going to see an old friend, which, you know, Luke says about Yoda, Luke says about Han. I'm sure somebody else says it about somebody else. It just feels very much like we're about to reunite with somebody who we trust and we, we you know, they get to meet outside and sort of hug. And Grief Cargo yes. is perfect for that. I do. Yes, I do want to. Sorry, I don't want to cut you off there, but I wanted to highlight on something that happened right before then. Hmm was when they're traveling through hyperspace. Oh yeah, I know about the the the, the pilkies or whatever they're called. The, the Purgles. The Purgles, yeah. How did you hear about, or do you remember when I brought them up in our Creatures episode? No, I saw them on IMDb today, but I understand them to be, I've never heard about them, or at least I don't recall, but they're basically big space whales that can fly at the speed of hyperspace. And so Gro exactly. Grogu's looking out the window at the just the silhouettes of Purgles uh, as they're going by, which is kind of cool. Yeah, it is really cool, but it also has a lot of extra meaning to it. Um, they're really cool. And of course, that's how like the galaxy first learned and started to map hyperspace technology. And they have a strong connection with the force. Uh, but the series finale of Rebels involves Ezra connecting through the force with Purgles and basically summoning them to attack Thrawn's ship. Mm. And then they just go back into the hyperspace lanes and take Thrawn and Ezra with them. Oh. And that's the end. They go blasted off into unknown hyperspace. And that's basically a little tie in like, oh, what's the what are those mysterious whales? That is our small little breadcrumb towards Ezra. the start of Ahsoka. 
So oh, Ahsoka wow. will be picking up where Rebels leaves off. And so I think it's a wonderful little tie-in that just gets people asking questions. It's a beautiful scene. And so I just wanted to kind of note on that one because I, I was really excited to see them. Really nice. Yeah, no, that's that's actually a lot richer than I ever would have realized. That's cool. Sure yeah, enough. So they'll be we'll be back. Navarro uh, does look better than ever. Uh, they stop in the city square and they see a statue which sort of memorializes the heroism of IG-11. And then Grief Karga meets them on the steps. He's got two little droids holding up the train of his cape. Um, he insists that he be referred to as High Magistrate and not Magistrate. He's, the title is very important. They retreat to his office. Um, and Grogu is just kind of spinning in the chair eating M&Ms. Did you find Grogu was a little extraneous this episode? Like, I want him to be around, but a low-yield Grogu episode. And it almost makes me wonder, like, had they not gotten him back together with Mando yet, Grogu could have sat this one out. That's a really good point that I, I haven't really heard people bring out is he really wasn't needed. He was really cute in the episode. Sure, always is. Uh, yeah, but he wasn't really needed in it. Uh, it was fun for the plot um, to have him just kind of like make a little couple chirps here and there. He might be needed in the next episode and it just wasn't a way to they didn't want to rush it at the start but we yeah. don't want to continue to always reference back to the weirdness of the the interlude of book of boba fett Agreed. even if the episodes yeah. were great and whatnot um but it was cute yeah the fact that he was spinning himself in the chair with the force i thought was fun uh they probably are just also using this time to give us more exposure to him using the force yeah so my guess is they're going to consistently have him using the force for subtle things in like every episode and it's going to ramp up so that he can do just some more things on his own as soon as mando's in town grief is putting on the cell job you should retire you should move to navarro and you should be basically our police chief you'd be really good at like keeping things in order get out of the game it's safer here we've got good food we've got good security it's a nice place to live come hang out and mando's not really biting he's got this other thing in mind he takes him back to the ig11 statue and he says i want that back which, yeah. I mean, it really looked like we were going to get IG-11 resurrected in this episode. I was kind of, I wasn't sure how to feel about it. I don't know how to feel about it either, because while he was kind of, I thought the scene of him being, then trying to resurrect him was funny. Sure. Um, I thought Din's line was a little bit hokey about like, that's using your head. Yeah, I, we I groaned that, for sure. Yeah, that was far more aligned with a grief cargo line. Uh, so it would have been better if he was like trying to like, I don't know save a little face there yeah. by, uh, oh, that was kind of funny. Boom, boom. Uh, but uh, if he was, I don't know, being a little self-deprecating in the situation, although it was maybe obvious that Grief Cargo was going to be the one to say something. Uh, but the thing that's weird is that I think he's on a journey to get another IG memory chip mm. for IG-11. I think he's literally doing a quest just to make IG-11 work, which means IG-11 is going to work and he's yeah. going to bring him to the minds of Mandalore uh, as opposed to just getting another droid. Although we do see Din with R5-D4 later in the series. Mm. So like in terms of the previews, they show him with that droid, the Astromech. And so maybe he does give up and just decides this droid's good enough because Peli has him. Um, but we'll wait and see on that. Um, but it was uh, a fun little... Uh, 
surprised to see him revert back to his old programming after he woke back up. Yeah, he needs a droid with the might of an IG, but he needs to be able to trust it. And he knows that his history with IG-11 was good. That's a friend. Mm. And uh, as soon as they wake it back up, it tries to kill Grogu. And it like does a, a Terminator thing. It's kind of funny. Um, anyway, so that's kind of like put away, I guess. And then Grief Karga gets note that there's pirates in town trying to have a drink at the school. <laughs> like there, there used to be a bar here. Now it's a school. And they're like, we're going to drink here. And he's like, you can't. It's a school. He's like, no, it's a bar. We're going to drink here. He's like, come to my office and have a drink. No, we want to drink at the school. <laughs> it's really bizarre. Um, I guess they're just trying to like intimidate trying to basically like reestablish some some uh territory here yeah i mean they were trying to push him around in the sense that we know you're not all clean grief uh but what i loved was that it was such a hodgepodge of um creatures and bounty hunters and and dubious looking dudes yeah but styles is what i guess i was going for more in the sense that it's like they're pirates yeah but we're also on this like lava planet with like this like white rock statues and they're gonna do a western standoff duel and it's just like i love the hodgepodge uh of star wars inspiration that's utilized in this episode and that's the thing it's just hitting it's checking all the star wars boxes and i'm not in any way shape or form complaining i loved it uh i thought that in particular vein was uh a, just an idiot but a perfectly idiotic and um obnoxious pirate i thought he was a a great depiction and also we later see on that he's also just a a pawn to a captain he's not right. anything impressive and so uh it was great to see uh him eventually put his foot down and be like well if i don't get a drink at my school i'm gonna have to murder you <laughs> and then grief decides to shoot him in the hand yeah. and then din kills like most of his his cronies and then grief decides to let him go free which was dumb. weird yeah i think he thought like well this will help establish our reputation he'll go tell the world that you know this is not a good place to come screw around and mm. obviously he was wrong about that becky said when she saw Vane, you want to know how i know he's bad i said why and she goes because he has no nose I never realized this before. And I was, she's like, bad guys don't have noses and stuff like this. <laughs> like, That's oh, an interesting observation. Fascinating huh? observation. And so like Voldemort's the obvious example. And then uh, Davy Jones from Pirates of the Caribbean, which this episode in particular has shades of. Yes, that Gor uh, Gorian Shard is super Davy Jones. Like, I really thought he was cool, though. Me too. I thought he was fantastic. A weird sea, sea uh, weed beard. It's yeah. not, not exactly Star Wars-y, but I bought it. Yeah, I, I absolutely bought it too. I'm all in. I want to see more of him. I think we're definitely going to see more of him. Yeah. Um, and uh, but I guess kind of back to on Navarro. Mm. Um, the we also had the scene with the Anzellans when uh, oh, yeah. they were trying to get the information about how to uh, fully repair IG-11. And oh my god, that was so cute and so funny. I yeah. loved that scene. Um, they were funnier than Babu because they weren't like Babu seemed like he was also drunk. Yeah. Whereas these guys were just hilarious. And then the when Grogu like squeezed one, the the bad baby like, that was <laughs> that had me really laugh, and that was quite funny. Yeah, yeah, and it, like like uh, Mando is able to sit in their workshop, but like his head is at the ceiling, and and Grief Karga is translating, but you really don't need him to. Like if you're listening, you can understand them. 
<laughs> yeah, he's just being obnoxious. Like he's he's being a bit of a know it all. Yeah, uh, I did think it was really funny that they have the little door, and then it's like so. Din like army crawled his way through there, or his Grogu for the first time is like, oh, this is my kind of door. Yeah, this is uh, all right. And these things are smaller than me. Yeah. Um, but it was really fun to see also Din be like, he's, he's young. Grogu, no. So they're, uh, very similar to the way they were with the frog lady last season. They're kind of like Jawas. I mean, I guess they're a little more on the level than Jawas, but they're these mm. weird little guys who are good with gears. And, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I and I love Jawas. And also Ugnaughts are similar in that regard, um, being mechanically inclined. Like Kuil was able, able to repair IG-11 the first time. So. Mm -hmm. um, so Mando leaves. Are we good to leave Navarro? Yeah, I don't think really anything else happens there um, because so, then when they're leaving Navarro, that's when they get intercepted by the dogfight with right. all the other pirates. And that's a fantastic space battle. Maybe the best one we've seen on TV. It's great. Really gnarly asteroid field. Uh, Vane has like new cronies now and they're basically waiting to pounce on Mando. Um, and he's able to evade them quite deftly, although... Vane sort of lures him around the other side of the moon and he's he's drawn him into the the crosshairs of the big pirate ship and so cannons mm. are pointing at him and he as always is able to flick on uh hyperspeed hyperspeed and get away at the in the nick of time he always yeah. gets away now very very smooth uh, and I in particular like that they focus so heavily on the cannons of yep. the pirate ship. Yeah. Uh, and so it was a great design of a ship too. It almost looked like it had like a big front. Um, um, uh, what are they called? The, um, the, the, I don't know the, the pointy thing on the, on the, the, the front, the big pole that sticks out on pirate ships. Oh yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like I'm a, a tool for not knowing that. <laughs> it's really um, okay. That's forgivable. I don't know. That's that's fair. <laughs> um, but yeah, really good uh, battle. And uh, then we go to Kalevala, um, which is uh, one of the Mandalorian worlds, and in particular, uh, the the home of Family Cries, the which is Bo-Katan and Satine's family. And so they uh, have a, an extremely overly dramatic uh, encounter. Uh, I and... know, like Bo, Bo, the way she's sitting in that throne is like as if someone's feeding her grapes, except she's all alone. And uh, by the way, it kind of feels a little Kaminoan when he arrives. You know, I always like it when it rains in Star Wars. When he lands, mm. and by the way, he kind of looks like Jango Fett, and he lands on this solitary platform, and he's brought in by a, a creepy droid, and he walks down a hallway, and there's almost no one here. It feels like Kamino, but no, it's Bo-Katan, who... Okay, you and I have predicted that she was going to become a main antagonist in this show and that the, all the pieces are there for that to happen. But I kind of feel like we skipped over a phase of that, that like at the end of season two, she was ambivalent to not be the next uh, bearer of the Darksaber. And now all of a sudden she's a lot more villainous than she's ever been. Like the way she's sitting and like calling him a fool, like they've been friends up till now. Yes, they have been, but I think this to me was a little bit more understandable. Now, I agree the way she's sitting on the throne, like she gets up out of bed in the morning. It's like, I got to go to work. I got to go sit on my throne and ponder shit. Yeah. Like it just seemed like a little silly in that yeah. regard. Um, and also, it also bothers me that Din leaves uh, his um, his top down you in said the it. rain. I said it. Becky said it. It was obviously very jarring. Why would you do that? Yes. Come on, man. That is going to be an uncomfortable <laughs> ride home. Yeah. 
Uh, I also like the fact that we now know Grogu can go in between his little his little tunnels. But anyway, back to Bo. The reason why she's so frustrated there and so cranky is that while she maybe agreed that she didn't need the dark saber at the end of season two, she does give us the exposition that it's just like, yeah, I came back and they all said, well, oh, if you don't have the dark saber, fuck you, bye. And uh, so they all just became mercenaries. And now she, here she is all alone. And she's pissed off at Din because Din doesn't know what the hell he does. He's coming to her to go say, hey, I want to go like bathe in the waters yeah. under like the destroyed city that was the capital of our home world. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I also have the Darksaber and could accomplish everything you want to do. Uh, but I want to do this weird side quest with my little child. Fair enough. And so she's just like, just go wave around the Darksaber and then other people can help you. But I don't want to. Mm. I'm sick of you because you have everything I want and aren't doing anything about it. So I think that's going to be a little bit of uh, the way their relationship goes. I don't think she's going to be evil. I think she's just going to be so bitter that it becomes um, well something it, that consumes her. It depends on how you define evil because I do think she's going to challenge him for that saber. Hmm. Yeah, I think she will too, but we also don't view the armorer as evil. And she was like, oh, Paz Vizsla, you're, you're going to try and take it from Mando? Go for it, man. I'll watch. This right. sounds great. Right. And we, we still don't view her as bad. It's just kind of the creed of the way Mandalorians are. They fight with each other. And as long as they don't kill one another, they're able to shake hands and, and walk away. Uh, so I don't view her so much as bad there. But two big things about Bo. They released a poster right after this. And it is a bisected helmet of the dark saber. One half Mando, one half bow. Well, that's adversaries. And, yeah, but also it says starring in the credits, Pedro Pascal and Katie Sackoff. Uh. Co-starring other people. Wow. Okay. She is my guess is in part, she's easily the most worked actor in this season because Pedro only does like less than a third of the physical acting all of the vocal acting but i think almost all of the physicals where he's not in the helmet is brendan wayne and latif at this point especially with his other projects well and in this show katie sackoff does portray the parentheses other mandalorian she's yeah. the other side of it ideologically um mm -hmm. she is is everything Din is and everything he isn't. And so it makes sense that it becomes not a two-hander, but a, a sort of adversarial play about the two of them and how they relate to each other. And I think this whole season is going to be really hitting on all the views of what it means to be a Mandalorian and maybe more than ever. If you've got the bow view, the Din view, the Grogu view, the armorer view, um, maybe they'll do a flashback and show us a little bit more, but like Tar Vizsla, the first Mandalorian Jedi, uh, or they'll link some back things back to like Death Watch uh, in the older days. Like, so they're going to do a lot of more uh, Mandalorian culture exploration this season. So I'm intrigued to see how that's going to work, but it seems to have, be going to be a lot of involvement with Bo. Were you surprised to not see the Darksaber in any fashion in this episode? It, they didn't even address it until the final scene. It was not ignited at any point. They're going to be reserving about it, I suppose. 
Yeah, I guess so. Uh, it wasn't something that I really thought about, like you said, until it kind of was brought up at the end. Din's never been comfortable with it, mm. but it's got to be something that he gets comfortable with. So I don't know. I wonder when that's going to become a, a key point. It definitely surprises me a little bit that they didn't show it. I don't even think it was visible. I think it was like he left it back. No, I left that back in the N one. It's uh, it's in the it's in the glove box or yeah. something like it, it. It seemed like he doesn't even keep it on him, um, which is maybe going to be part of it. Maybe he gets extremely reluctant to use it, and he pulls it out in an, like an extreme need situation. Or maybe the person who reaches for it for the first time is Grogu Mm. um, because he's more familiar with it. And he just turned down Yoda's lightsaber and he wants one. Um, But who knows how it's going to go with. I always like I've for a a lot like since season one have believed and want the ending user of the Darksaber to be Grogu. That makes the most sense. It it would be a a big ass saber um, for a little guy, but It'll get a little bigger. Now, speaking of things that they hadn't exactly tidied up between this and previous seasons of previous shows, there's a little bit of talk of Moff Gideon. Like he, and I'm not exactly sure I caught it all, but like he became a prisoner again of the good guys. He's off with a new Republic of War Tribunal is what they said. So are we just not going to deal with that for the time being? I think for the time being until we hear that he was broken out, he broke out. Um, or we maybe we see it in some shape or form, uh, but he's going to be in this season. So it's not like they're just brushing him under the rug the same way they did Cara Dune. Well, I was going to say in the same conversation, they find a tidy little way of saying that you're not going to be seeing Dune anymore. Yeah. And also for the reason that she was initially going to get her own show, uh, basically being like, oh, yeah, she's off going to be basically a ranger of the new republic canceled on disney plus yeah uh but it, it's something that works if they ever one day decide they need to bring her back they want to bring her back they want to keep using her in other mediums that aren't visual um they own the character they, they it's best to not kill her it's also that's would it wouldn't make sense would they uh, recast the, you could maybe at some point for sure uh, and so that's why it's better to not kill the character i love mind the character Get, I like, like, the character. like ronda rousey to play her or something i have no idea if ronda rousey acts at all <laughs> but they would get somebody who was bad at, i know people wanted lucy lawless that was what the internet wanted after that happened um she played ron's wife in parks and rec and she's oh she's also like, xena warrior princess Ron's yeah, that's what i was gonna yeah. say but she's known in the sci-fi community for xena warrior princess sorry you just gave a look like she didn't know who she was no yeah i don't know who she is but i know who ron's wife is and i yes I, she's so she's also a wrestler is that the idea no i just mean somebody who's known for mm. um like physical uh roles and and kicking ass and yeah. kind of in a similar um look gotcha okay yeah i mean i don't i never had any affection for Cara Dune. So it's fine that we're just going to blow right past that. I think that's the whole episode. Here, um, Here's one thing I noticed today. It's getting review bombed. What? A little bit. Not in like a... There's... I only ever check IMDb. Yo, that's, that's a good example. There's a lot of snottiness on IMDb today about the new episode of Mandalorian. And and all I can, all I can glean from it, Ross, is that I I so I'm so sorry to bring up my feelings about Andor again, but like some people who forgot since they grew up that Star Wars is for kids, yeah, got a little taste of Andor, which is highbrow. Congratulations! 
And now when Star Wars returns to exactly what it was born to be, they're mad at it and they're calling it this new abomination. Really? A lot of, a lot of user reviews, pretty nasty about the new Mando. Oh, that's really disappointing. I just saw it had a 7.9 out of 10. And I was like, that's like one of the lower episodes. I just checked. That's the fourth lowest episode, but there's 17 episodes. So that's not that bad. Um, but that's it's probably by the sounds of it um, would have been ranked higher uh, if it weren't for some review bombs. It's disappointing that people think that. And I agree with you. This is the most Star Warsy thing imaginable. Oh, it had it. Yeah. This is why you come for Star Wars, because... In my opinion, it's serving Star Wars's purpose a lot more than Andor does, and I think Andor was was good, and I enjoyed Andor, and I and I like that. I just don't want. I would be devastated if Andor replaced the existing Star Wars. I'm fine. I'm I'm happy it exists. Yeah, but I don't like that other people don't want actually like the most DNA accurate Star Wars to become this grittier like alt star wars which is fun but not the same and right. so that's disappointing yeah the star wars in its essence is silly creatures making funny noises and cranky heroes saving the day and that is what the mandalorian is you get a lot of that in this episode i don't think it's a perfect episode but i had a lot of fun and i actually haven't had a ton of fun in star wars in quite a while now and so because you know andor wasn't for me and and the Book of Boba Fett had its moments, but that was a while ago too. And so it was really, really refreshing to to see this new episode of Mando. I completely agree. And as much as I I loved some of the episodes in Book of Boba Fett, uh, and I think those those last three episodes were great. And the, and yes, they had Mandalorian in them, but they were still great in their own right. And I loved Kenobi, but Kenobi was True. not like Obi Wan Kenobi was not like fun Star Wars. There were some fun Star Wars moments in it, but it was, it leaned into, it was, and it felt very Star Wars, but it did lean into um, prequels, the, some of the melancholy parts of Star sure. Wars. Uh, and that was great. It leaned into the family stuff. It leaned into more things than Andor leaned into. Andor still leaned into part of Star Wars, it just leaned in so heavily into one specific thing. But this was just spread out so evenly uh, and was so fun. It was, and that's what is really refreshing to get. Well, and I'm reluctant to say that Mando isn't deep, but it's not trying to be as deep as Obi-Wan Kenobi, which is a show about a man and his feelings. It's a character mm. study. And this is a show about a man and what he does. And he gets to have feelings along the way, and so will you. But this is, this is an adventure. Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi was a drama with adventure in it. And so... Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I think both of those things, when done properly, absolutely have a place in Star Wars. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, this this felt... A, it, I mean, it had shades of Jabba's Palace in Navarro mm -hmm. and, and... Lots of Kowaki monkey lizards. Yeah, that's right. Um, Becky called them monkeys on crack, which they're kind of crackhead monkeys. They're kind of that. Totally. <laughs> um, and uh, as we said, the Ancelans are sort of like Jawas. And so I just... I, I, I thought it had the pieces I was... I've been craving for a while. So I was pro, yeah. I was pro the apostate. Really good, really psyched for what's to come. Yeah, no, that's really, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. And I guess kind of on that, like if um, Obi-Wan was a character study and Andor was a societal study, Star Wars in general 
is a morality study mm. and the Mandalorian is a morality study. Beautiful. And so it really, it, it hits all of those notes. And, and I, and I like the fact that star Wars goes back to the ABCs. It's, it's very basic when you look at the, the root um, morality that it's trying to, to get across. And I'm really excited for what this season's got in store. Um, yeah, it's making me eager for Wednesdays more than I have been in a while. And, uh, that's great. So we haven't done a podcast in a while. I don't know if off the top of your head, you have any like broad stroke Star Wars news things you wanted to bring up before we wrapped, but surely some stuff has been talked about. Stuff has been talked about, but to be honest, not a ton. There is... There's a lot of just hubbub about the new shows that are coming in. There's some directors that are being released and announced uh, and some people involved uh, from a crew perspective on Ahsoka and the Acolyte, in particular the Acolyte, that's been uh, kind of highlighted a bit. But some of the directors for Ahsoka, uh, Rosario Dawson indicated that Ahsoka is likely going to be coming out in the fall, and it was believed that uh, skeleton crew and the acolyte would be coming after. So if it's in the fall, that means there's going to be a pretty big gap after Mando where we don't have Star Wars content for the summer. Um, but we are also having Star Wars celebration in April. So we're expected to have some announcements that will be coming down. Uh, and those are anything from uh, the Lindelof movie project right. to un other unannounced movie projects, other previously announced movie projects and previously announced TV shows. Um, or the potential, I, I've heard a recent rumor that they may indeed be doing, um, uh, this seems out there, but they might be doing uh, some short movie style, I don't know how long that would be, uh, using the same technology they did to bring young Luke Skywalker back, to bring a young Han, Luke, Leia story oh post oh Return boy. of the Jedi. That seems too... That seems too dangerous. Yeah, I don't does. think so. I don't think that's actually true. My guess is they're reusing Luke Skywalker in his form in another pro project. Um, but I doubt that that's it. If that's it, that'd be amazing. And, and it really would be <laughs> interesting to, to keep our, our fingers on. But um, my guess is it just means more Luke Skywalker is coming down soon, which is to be expected. I think it looks so. I watched the book of Boba Fett with him. Uh, again, just the other day, and it just it blows my mind how good he looks. It's so amazing. I want more Luke in. Uh, I definitely want more Luke in Ahsoka. Um, and uh, I, I've I've always kind of wanted uh, Jude Law to be a young uh, Lor Santeca uh, mm. from the announcement of that. So it would make sense for Luke to be in that show. And so all of the Mando verse timelines give me more Luke too. I love it. Is that all you got? Yeah, um, no, nothing concrete to really chat about. So um, uh, we can chat about that more next week if there's something that shores up that's uh, uh, more specific. Okay, well, the podcast is back and we will return to discuss episode two, season three of The Mandalorian next week. In the meantime, if you have any thoughts on this episode or Star Wars in general, of course, you can email recorder66podcast at gmail.com or you can tweet at recorder66. Be sure to like and subscribe on your preferred podcast app. Uh, maybe leave us a little review there. Or if you're with us on YouTube, you can do the same on that platform. Until we are together again, we have spoken. <laughs> this is the way. May the force be with you.